In Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. So tonight I want to do things just a little bit different. Is that okay? It's okay when we do things just a little bit different. Because what I want to do is I just really feel led in my heart for us to have a time of prayer tonight at the end of this service. And just to create a space that we know that God is going to fill. Um, Because I just really believe that we're going to pray specifically tonight over the names of people, family members, workmates, people at school, just people around us in our neighborhood that specifically we are going to come together and pray over those people that we need to invite, that we need to get into the house. And, you know, it doesn't need to just be an Easter thing. It needs to be a God thing, period. It needs to be a church thing every time that we have the opportunity we should share. On your way in tonight, you should have received one of these. If you didn't, there'll be opportunity towards the end again. We'll hand them out to you. But if you don't have one, don't worry. The instructions will come at the end. But throughout this series, what has been our goal? The goal for this whole series has been plain and simply this. We're turning around or trading our if-only regrets for what? God, what if possibilities. And so many of us have the regrets of our life and we want to turn them around to the possibilities, the what if possibilities that God has. And what have we been discovering the last two Sundays? It requires our action. It requires our input. It requires our involvement. What's going to be our response? What's going to be our action? What's going to be our position? And I know tonight's message may be a little bit different, but it's no different. Because again, like Wednesday night, I want to take the spotlight off of you. I want to take the spotlight off of us. And I want to shed the light on all the ifs, all the people, all the connections, all the souls of people that are all around you. What am I talking about? The ifs around you. Here we go. You ready? The if only, here's what they're saying, if only someone would tell me about Jesus. Can you believe tonight that there are people around you that are saying, if only someone would tell me about Jesus. If only someone would share with me the love of Christ. If only someone would tell me that God loves me given them an opportunity and a chance to experience God's what-if possibilities. You see, we're sitting here every Sunday. We're hearing it. The Bible says faith comes, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. And faith rises inside of our lives. We're saved. We're touched. We're entering into the what-if possibilities. But there are so many people, if only I knew. 
If only someone would share with me. If only someone would give me the same chance to experience the God that every one of us has. And do you know we carry that God with us wherever we go? We carry God with us to work, to school, to college, wherever we go. We carry God with us. The possibilities that of God are carried with us and we must share those with everyone around us. So tonight I want to take us on a journey through a story really quickly. 1 Samuel chapter 14. If you've got your Bibles, your tablets with you today, you can pull that up. We're going to have the, the scriptures on the screen. But let me just give you some background before we get into it. Saul, who's the king of Israel, he's just done a foolish thing. What has Saul done? He has acted like the priest of God. Okay? He's acting out of fear. He's acting out of compulsion. It's not up on the screen. Eyes over here. Can you put back the title? That would be great. I'm not there right now. And, and so he's acting out of fear and compulsion. The priest hasn't shown up at the time that he thinks that he's offering the sacrifice because he's afraid because the people are running. They're leaving. They're terrified. What's going to happen? So he acts foolishly. I wonder how many people are acting foolish around you every day. Maybe we need to throw ourselves in the equation. I wonder how many of us are just acting foolish every day. So he's, uh, he's, he, he's, he's basing his life on fear and compulsion. Then what does he do? We see that the prophet comes and in two verses there's six yous. The fingers pointed that you've done this, you've done that. I wonder how many times we hear that if it wasn't for you and, and you're the problem and you're the reason we're in this place. And then there's a threat of war. On top of all of this, there's a threat of war. The enemy is stacked against them. The bills are coming in. There's not enough money. The car's breaking down. Things are happening. What I'm trying to show you is this is a picture of our lives and the world that we live in today too. That fear and compulsion are making us do foolish things. It's all becoming about us. We're self-centered. We're making the mistakes, the problems. And then there's threats all around us. What are we going to do? And it's so interesting that when you read this story, if you actually read the chapter before 1 Samuel 13, you will discover this, that Saul's army didn't have only two swords and two spears. The only sword they had was in the hand of Saul, the king, and his son, Jonathan. The only spear they had was in the hand of King Saul and his son, Jonathan. Imagine having an army with no swords and no spears. That's all the children of Israel had. Why? Because the enemy, the Philistines, had stripped away every ability that they could ever have to protect themselves, to provide for themselves, and to build a future. They would not allow them having any blacksmiths. So anytime they needed their sickle um, sharpened or their plow sharpened, they had to go to the enemy. Come on, what a picture that we're going to the enemy for that which God has already given us, our right and our place of position. So what's happening? Let me sum it up this way. They're in a place of disobedience. Sound familiar? They're in a low place. The enemy's come. There's a threat all around them. Now they're defenseless. They can't defend, they can't do, that's not a good place and it's definitely not God's place for your life. So now here we are, you ready? Samuel chapter 14 verse 1, here's where the story begins and it says, now it happened. You see, things can begin to happen in your circumstances, things can happen at work, things can happen at home if God's children would just start to make it happen. If we would start to do, now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, 
He said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. Now please understand this. They weren't on the other side of the street. They weren't at the other side of the block. They weren't on the other side of the neighborhood. What the other side was, there was a a massive rugged ravine that separated them both. On one side, there was God's army. On the other side, the enemy with a massive rugged ravine in between both. So he said, let's go. Let's go over to the other side. But he didn't tell his father. And then our key passage for tonight, jump down to verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to this garrison of these uncircumcised, that it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or few. Notice this, God just needs someone to act. God needs someone to do something. God just needs someone to step up in the midst of a bad situation and turn it around. Actually, our scripture and the title of our message is perhaps the Lord tonight comes from the New Living Translation of verse 6. And Joshua said, let's go across to the outpost of these pagans and perhaps the Lord will help us. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Notice this, the perhaps is Jonathan's why not. The perhaps is his why not or his what if. What if I do something? Maybe God, maybe there's a possibility if I stand up and do something that my family can be different. Maybe there's a possibility that my neighborhood, my community, this city, this nation can be different if I do something. Perhaps if the Lord, perhaps the Lord will, perhaps the Lord will do. Verse 7, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, because here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, verse 8, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. I I just don't think that's much of a plan, do you? We're just going to go, hello, we're here. Let's cross over, just the two of us. Remember, not the whole army. There's a whole army on the other side of the enemy that's waiting for you. And Jonathan said, well, here's the plan. We're going to go over to the other side. We're going to scale a ravine. We're going to climb a cliff. And we're going to show ourselves and and go, boo, hello. Not much of a plan. And really, to be honest with you, in man's eyes, foolish. Come on, let's just break it down tonight. In the natural, that's dumb. But how many knows that God takes our natural, He adds the super to it, and then supernatural things can happen. Oh, that, that's kind of dumb. Who cares about that person at your work? Who cares about that person down your street? Perhaps the Lord. Perhaps the Lord. But really, He did have a plan. God had a plan for the circumstance, just like God has a plan for your life. Verse 9, we see the plan of God. Are you ready? Jonathan said, okay, here's the deal. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go to them. In other words, I think what he's saying is this. If they don't call us up there and they say, we're coming to you, we're in trouble, buddy. We're, we're in trouble. Get ready to run. It's not going to be good. But, verse 10, if they say to us, hey, we'll wait. You come up here to us, then we will what? We will go up for the Lord 
has delivered them into our hands and this will be a sign to us. Notice how the victory came in the circumstance. Can you just see this? Can we just read the passage? Can we just break it down tonight? You know how victory came? Victory came because God's chosen people, that's you, that's me, decided what? To go into their camp, to go into their community, to go into their house, to go into their life, to go into their situation and say, God has sent me here with a word for you that perhaps the Lord has sent me into your life for you to be changed, for you to be transformed. You see, the problem we have in the church today is we expect the world to walk in through our doors, but we're not prepared to walk in through the doors of their house. We want them to come here. You you need to come to church, but we don't want to take them out for a meal. We don't want to to spend time with them. We don't want to engage with them. We don't want to say, what's going on in your life? Can I pray with you? Come on, God's victory came, and I'm spoiling it for you because the victory does come at the end of the story. Just want you to know that. But victory came when God's person... Or persons, because there was two. There was Jonathan and Steve. We're just going to call him Steve. Is that okay? He's Steve the armor bearer. Jonathan and Steve trusted God. They took what their pastor said on Sunday and said, perhaps the Lord will help me and use me this week. It doesn't look like there's much I can really do, but the little I can do, I can come up into the places of those who are hurting all around me and need help. Because isn't that the great commission of God? What does God say? God doesn't say sit on your blessed assurance and let people come to you. Come on now. God says you go into all the world. You know what that means? Your community, your schools, your people. That's your world. Your world's different to my world for this reason. God's placed you in your world to touch your world and be a light to your world. And the great commission God says is go into the world. And if you haven't noticed, there's a whole lot of world around you every day. A whole lot of needs all around you every day. A whole lot of people broken each and every day. But you know what we need to do? We need to start claiming Our family for God. We need to start claiming our workplace for God. We need to start claiming our neighborhood for God. We need to start claiming this area for God. The area you live in. we, We need to start saying, hold on. Why? Because perhaps the Lord. Perhaps the Lord. Where are we at? Verse 11. You're with me? You're with me? Shout amen. Amen, amen, amen. Some of you are lying. You're not even with us. But there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll take it anyway. Verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. Hey! Hello! Remember me? Well, you maybe never seen me before. But hello! Hello! And the Philistines said, I love this statement. I love this statement. Because I want the world to say of people who go to Heartsease Family Life Church exactly what is now about to be said by the enemy around. Look, those church boys, they are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. I believe it's time that we get out of the holes that we've hidden ourselves in. You know the biggest hole that we've hidden ourselves in? Are you ready, church? 
We've hidden ourselves in the black hole of church. We come to church, we lift our hands, we praise God, and then we go out and we remain hidden to everyone else around till we come out again next Sunday and we come back in. I, I want this to be the word of this church, that some Christians are getting out of their hole. Some Christians are getting out of their religion. Some Christians are getting out of Christianese. You know that language that we talk that the world doesn't know, that some people are saying, I want to make a difference because perhaps the Lord, perhaps the Lord needs me to do something about what's going on. We can watch the news and we can be disgusted with what's happening all around us. Or we can watch the news and say, I can be the solution to the problem. You see, we'll never be the solution while we're in our hole of holiness. We'll never be the solution when we're in our hole of faith and it's just about me and and my life. God called you and saved you. The means he chose to evangelize the world is you and I. And we've hidden that light. Jesus talks about it in Matthew. We've put it under a basket. We've hidden it so it's not illuminating everyone else around. And then... Verse 12, the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and Steve. Remember the armor bearer? And they said, wait for it, wait for it. Are you ready? Here's what they said. What do they say? Come up here. What's that code name for? What's that code name for? Your butt's now about to be whipped. Come on. You're going down. You don't know what you're saying. You're about to go down because that's code word for God is about to deliver you into our hands. We're going to show you something. And Jonathan said to Steve, Come on, Steve, let's go. For the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. We've got to start seeing the people around us delivered. We've got to start seeing them. We're talking about deliverance as in they were going to destroy them. But we're looking at the deliverance that God wants to produce in the hearts and lives. We've got to start saying, right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to walk into my place today. And I'm believing that people are going to say, come on up here. That's code name because we're going to do some stuff. Because perhaps the Lord is going to use me today to touch some lives for him. He said, come up for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And I'm telling you, this is what I've been praying for, for this weekend. This is what I'm praying for, for us to see. I'm praying for us to see breakthroughs in the lives of those around us. I'm praying for the hardened walls that people have put up to begin to crumble down. I'm praying for hearts to be yielded and surrendered to God. I'm praying for a brokenness to take place in people, that those people that you haven't even been able to talk to and they haven't been receptive, I'm believing that perhaps the Lord is breaking those barriers in their lives. But what does it take you and I to go. It takes you and I to go. Because the Bible says, how will they know unless, unless someone tells them. Someone tells them. Verse 13, then Jonathan climbed up. And here's the key. Are you ready? He climbed up what? On his hands and knees. You know where the greatest victories of your life happens? On your hands and knees. When you get on your face before God and you cry out and you humble your lives. Too many of us are so full of pride that God maybe needs to bring us back to our hands and knees again. That we would cry out to God and realize, God, that it's only through prayer we're going to see breakthroughs. It's only through your hand that we're going to see miracles take place. The battle is won through prayer. As we begin to pray. And what do we pray? We pray the word of God that will not fail and that will succeed. 
Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with Steve after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And he came up after him, Steve, his armor bearer, and they killed them. Verse 14, the first slaughter or the victory which Jonathan and Steve made was about 20 men within about half an acre of land. That's about 15 to 20 yards. Within a small area, they accompanied or they accomplished a great victory. Now look at verse 15. And there was a trembling in the camp, in the fields and amongst all the people. If you read the rest of that verse, the whole area shook so much. I believe that there is something that God wants to do that there will be such a tremor in your workplace, in your community, in your family, that God is about to do something so great that everyone around you is going to have to stop and take notice and say, what is happening? I just believe around this church, there's going to be a tremor that's going to go out to this local community. You don't have to agree with me all you want. I'm going to keep praying it and I'm going to keep preaching for it and I'm going to keep believing it. But I believe that there's going to be a shaking because when God does something, people begin to take note and see because there's a change that takes place. There was a great victory that happened that was accompanied by a great shaking and a great tremoring that took place that other people who weren't even aware of what was happening now are fully aware that there's something happening. They may not know what it is, but perhaps the Lord is ready to do something that it won't just touch a few, it can touch many. Because I think that's why the Lord says there was a half an acre of land, 15 to 20 yards. Because he's trying to show us it happened in a small place, but it didn't stay in a small place. That revival began to break out and other people felt the effects and they were moved. Because what? Two people moved. Jonathan and Steve got up and said, I'm tired of the world we're living in. Perhaps the Lord can use me to make a difference. To those who are around me. Everyone around knew. Something had happened. And that's the testimony of true salvation. You're not going to have to really explain to people. They're just going to say, what's different about you? You're not going to have to really plead with them because when we see people truly saved and their lives completely transformed, people are going to say, you don't talk the same way that you used to. That's the tremor taking place. There's a shaking coming on. There's something going on. You you don't even walk the same way. You carry yourself in a different way. You used to be such a grumbler and complainer. Now you're Mr. Positive. What's happened? What's happened? There's a shaking because you've been used by God. Because God has used you and I and wants to use you and I to bring about great victory. And perhaps the Lord will do. Come on. The perhaps the Lord caused Jonathan and Steve to do something crazy that day. To climb a cliff and fight an enemy that outnumbered them, just the ones that was listed 10 to 1. There was two of them, 20 of them. They were outnumbered 10 to 1. And that was just the few that was there. That wasn't calculating all the other masses of them. They were outnumbered incredibly, incredibly, incredibly. But one act of courage saved a whole nation. One act of courage saved a nation. I wonder tonight what your act of courage could do. 
I wonder if you could push through the fear. Well, what if they reject what I say? What if they don't like me? Well, I don't know what to say. I wonder what would happen if we would just push through with courage and believe that God is going to bring about a victory because perhaps the Lord is going to do it. If we'll just take that step of faith. And we'll just invite them. We'll just ask them. I wonder what, the, what if possibilities could be released. How did God save his people? By one man who said, God, I'm crazy enough to believe that you can use me. What's the old saying that we've got when you're about to take a race? What do they say to you? Ready, steady, go. Already set. Go. I think we need to flip that around. What do I mean by that? Because if we're waiting to be ready, we'll probably never be ready. If we're waiting to have all the answers, probably we'll be waiting until the day we die. You talk to people all the time and they're like, we're waiting to have kids. What are you waiting for? We're waiting for that. You'll never be ready to have kids. I'm not saying you shouldn't be prepared, but you'll never be ready. You see, we're waiting for that perfect moment. We're waiting for that, for the heavens to part and the rainbows to appear. We're waiting for something to be primed and ready. We're ready for it to be set, the stage set, and everything to be perfect. But maybe tonight, we just need to go for it. You know, two-thirds of God's name is go. God's a God of action. He's a God of involvement. So we're waiting, we're ready, and we're set, but we're never engaging in the race and going. I, I, I think we need to turn that around and say, let's, let's go and let's set, and let's hopefully be ready. Let's just go. Let, let's just take this on. Let's just do it, because perhaps the Lord, listen to me, perhaps the Lord has you in their life for a reason. Perhaps the Lord has you in that workplace for a reason. And I believe tonight that perhaps the Lord has you in their life for a reason. It's not a question, but it's a statement. Because it's not, has he? Yes, he has. But the question is this, what are you going to do with that? But what if God does? We like that. But what if God doesn't? What if they say no? You see, many of us operate out of the opposite mentality. I want to say this to you. You ready? Don't let your fear dictate their decision. Because if you're afraid, you won't do it. So you've already dictated their decision is going to be no because you're not even giving them an opportunity. What if they do reject you? I'm telling you right now, remember this. They're not rejecting you personally. They're rejecting God. That really helped me one day when I realized that because I hate the fact they're rejecting God. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not taking it personal. I'm not taking it like they're rejecting me. Because if I take that to heart and personal, guess what? I'm going to be so bound by fear, I'm not going to go and tell anyone else. That should make me more determined to realize I've got to go out and tell people. And if they say no, don't take no for an answer. You just keep loving them. You keep just presenting to them. You just be gracious. You just be kind. You just allow God to use you. Listen, you can't determine their reaction. But there first has to be an action in order for them to react. And you better make sure the action is this, that you're giving them the opportunity, the what-if possibilities for their if-only regrets of life, that you're presenting them the truth of God. Because you see, you may be the only Bible someone will ever read. 
The life that you live may be the only Bible. What if? Perhaps the Lord. Perhaps the Lord. I want you to get these cards out. If we've got some more of these, can we hand them out, please? If people don't have these, can you just put your hand up? And Sherry and different ones are going to come. And we're going to hand them out to you quickly. And what I've got on this card is this while you're getting them. It says, perhaps the Lord. And it says, without giving God the opportunity, we, they, may never know the saving power of God. Who is my if that needs to become a what if? Who are the people that God has put me in a position and sent into their world to turn around their if-only regrets into what-if possibilities? When you get this card, I want you to look at it right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill up as many as you can. You can maybe just write one name. Maybe for some of you, you need to turn it over and keep writing names. But here's what I want us to do in a couple of moments. We're just going to find a place to pray for about 10 minutes. And what I want us to do is I want us to begin to write down the names of people. Now, you know, if you've got a friend in Arizona that needs Jesus, that's great. That's awesome. And please put their name down. But really what I'm asking is this. Who are the people in your world? Who's the people within 15 and 20 yards? Who's the people in the close proximity that are around you each and every day that you are able to go up to them, into their world, to bring deliverance into their world? Who are those people right now? Who is it that needs to know Jesus? Who is it that needs to be invited to church? And don't just do a drive-by. Don't just throw the card at them and say, hey, come to church, or just leave it on their desk. Why not say to him, hey, if you come, I'd love you to come to church with me. I'm saving you a seat on Sunday. And I'll tell you what, I'll take you out for lunch afterwards. Hey, I know you don't have a family. Guess what? You can be in our family picture with us on Easter because we, you can come to church and we'll take a family picture with you. I would love to stand with you. I would love to help you. I would love to see. You know, they tell us, listen to this, and, and I can't remember the exact stats. But I believe it's more than four times people will come to church on Easter than any other time out of the year. You've got more than four times more likely for people, and I believe it's a lot more than that. I believe it's about 70% more chance that people will come to church on Easter. We've got such a primed moment right in front of us. Perhaps the Lord wants to use you to change a life forever. You see, we're praying and believing not for a big flood of people on Sunday and the week after for us to be back where we were. We're praying for such a flood of people to come in this Sunday that we're going to be having to talk about maybe adding a third service to compensate and to fill and to hold all the people. Hey, I'm good with that. I'll go three rounds on a Sunday morning. I'm ready to take it on. Let's go. We'll do whatever needs to happen. You know, 73%, listen to this, of people don't attend church. 73% of people, 7 out of 10 people, don't attend church because they have never been invited in their lifetime. In their lifetime. 7 out of 10 people. If you've got 20 people at your work, think about how many people, 14 of those people have never been invited to church before by someone. Don't you think you have a chance for some people to say yes if you would just begin to invite people? So who's on your list? 
Who are you going to make sure to tell? One man saved a nation. You can change the entirety of your workplace, your school, your college. With your life witness, you can help save a soul, reach a life, touch a family, and start a trembling in your school, in your community, and in your workplace. Revival can take place. You see, we've already seen it by faith. We made a decision two weeks ago. We made the decision a long time ago, but we started two weeks. We made a decision to create space in church, and our kids now have their own praise and worship. Why? Because we're creating a space for God to fill. He's already filling it. He's already filling it. Our children's church last Sunday is the second highest attendance we have ever had for our church. Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that phenomenal? You see, as we're creating space... God's filling. I, I, I just want to share this really quickly with you because we're going to pray. And I can't give you too much information because we don't have it all yet. But there's perhaps an opportunity within the next few months for us to more than double the size of this church because they want to offer us more space that is twice as big or almost twice as big as the current space that we have right now. So our sanctuary will double in size. Our kids' areas doubles in size. Our nursery quadruples in size. Our lobby will have a lobby about the size of this room that we can hang out and we can socialize. And we can. Let me tell you something. We are creating a space and God promises that he's going to fill it. And I would, I, I'm just praying that Easter Sunday would be such a need to push us, that we would have such a flux of people. But I'm telling you right now, you can go home and pray that God will fill the house. But you know what God used? Not a prayer. He used people of faith that said, perhaps the Lord. Perhaps the Lord. You do your part. Because remember where we started the story? It was a bad situation. There's bad situations all around us. But you know how the story ended? Everything was turned around. Here's what I want us to do. We're just going to put on some music. We're going to just... Dim the lights a little bit. If you want to get out of your seat, you want to come to the altar, you want to turn and pray where you're at, wherever, can we just for the next 10 minutes, can we just begin to pray over those lives, those names? Can we just begin to pray and can we just pray that tomorrow God would give us an open door to talk to Steve? That God would give us an open door to be able to talk to Philip or whoever's on your list. Can you just begin to pray that God is going to give you that perhaps the Lord would just use you? And now what are we going to do? We're not just going to pray over these names. We're going to act on these names. We're going to call them up. Maybe before we get home tonight, we're going to, we're going to go and see them tomorrow. We're going to make a special trip. We're going to see them. Why? Because they need to be in the house because God wants to bring about a trembling and a tremor. God wants to do something. Come on, can you just find a place? Can we just begin to pray all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.